I've never really been sensitive to otherworldly things. I've always been a believer, but until recently, I was never really an experiencer. Over the last several months, I picked up a ghostly hitchhiker. The young girl has appeared to me twice in my car, sat silently in the back seat, stared at me intently, and disappeared. Scary, yes, but I'm a grown-up. I can handle these things. But this isn't about me and my hitchhiker. It's about my four-year-old son's hitchhiker. My son James has speech delays and goes to a special integrated preschool where half the students are developmentally on time, called peers, and the other half of the students are either developmentally delayed or have a disability. They're called friends. James fits into the disabled category. He has problems with his mouth and is unable to pronounce words correctly, which significantly impairs his ability to communicate effectively with anyone that isn't familiar with the way he speaks. Friends are given the opportunity to ride the bus to school. The buses used for these students are smaller, only hold 10 students, and pick up the students directly at their home. This is James's second year riding the bus to school, but it's the first year I've heard of someone he calls Creepy Michael. James first mentioned Creepy Michael his second week of school. I asked him how school was after he got off the bus. There's a new boy. He's Creepy Michael. He sits in the back, he told me. He doesn't talk. He just laughs really loud. He looks like this. James pulled his upper lip up and his bottom lip down and aggressively showed me his teeth with a low growl. I took a step back, a little surprised at the intensity coming from my normally laid-back son. His bus only transports friends, so I assumed he encountered another student with speech delays like himself. As for the bared teeth, I wasn't sure. Though he's only four, I was frustrated with his lack of sensitivity toward another student on the bus, so we had an age-appropriate discussion about how not everyone looks or sounds like him on the outside, but we are all the same on the inside. I told him calling Michael creepy was unacceptable and instructed him to only use his name when speaking to him. James nodded and apologized, and I quickly forgot about the whole thing. Several weeks passed, and I volunteered as a chaperone for a field trip for all the preschool classes. I was passing out name tags and getting kids ready to go when I realized I didn't have a name tag that said Michael. Weird, but maybe Michael was just absent. After the field trip, I asked James where Michael was, and he firmly told me, Michael's not at school, he's only on the bus. Strange, but I took that to mean that Michael is just in a different class. Weeks later, Halloween rolled around and parents were invited to a party at the school. I was excited to meet all the other kids in his class and finally put the faces to the names of all the people my son has talked about. During the party, I searched the name tags for Michael, hoping to meet him and his parents and establish a friendship. My search didn't yield results, so I asked James's teacher where Michael was. She looked at me bewildered and stated that there was no student named Michael in preschool this year. Before I had a chance to ask any more questions, she exited the conversation to save a tray of cupcakes from being knocked to the floor by a tiny Batman. At this point, I'm very confused about Michael and starting to wonder if Michael is real or if my young son is playing an elaborate prank on me. James brought up Michael a handful of times over the next few months. He said things like, Michael looks at me, and I like Michael, but he is really loud, and Michael's mouth is creepy. I had yet to discover any other evidence that Michael exists, but my son isn't a prankster. 
the likelihood of a four-year-old keeping up a joke for four months is extremely low. I honestly didn't have any idea what to do, so whenever James would bring up Michael, I would just smile and nod and let him talk about his friend. After months of confusion over creepy Michael, it finally came to a head last week. My kid and I were driving to the library, which happens to be directly next door to James's school. We live in a heavily wooded area, and the only road to the library slash James's school is a winding road through a thick forest. On our way there, James suddenly shouted, Mama, that's creepy Michael's house. Since their bus picks up students directly at their home, James often points out the houses of his friends on the bus when we're driving around, but this was the first time he'd mentioned Michael's house. My eyes darted around, searching for the house. I saw nothing but trees. Where is it, bud? I asked him. Right there, Mama, in the trees. I squinted, and I finally saw what appeared to be a small stable or a small shack in absolute shambles, about a hundred yards into the woods. That small house? Yes, the small square house. That's where Michael comes out. Oh, that's great, James, I said to him cheerfully. But inside, I was deeply disturbed. There is no way that shack is a livable home. I couldn't think about anything else while we were at the library. I finally let myself entertain the thought that Michael might not be a child at my son's school or even a child at all. My heart raced and I felt sick. I called James over to me, handed him some crayons and a piece of paper, and asked him to draw Michael. I can't, Mama. He looks weird. It's too hard to draw. He scrunched his face in frustration. Can you try? I urged him. He furrowed his brow and put crayon to paper. My eyes grew wider and wider and my blood colder and colder as the lines formed a picture. I didn't even bother to hide the emotions on my face. It was like a cliche horror movie where the adult asks the kid to draw the monster he saw and the kid draws something horrifying. This is Michael? I asked him. I felt like the drawing was staring into my soul. It had a large, oddly shaped head, beady little eyes, and sharp, bared teeth. It reminded me of the painting The Scream, only the subject isn't as human-like. I felt like his drawing was looking right through me. I was unsettled just looking at it. I tried, he told me. He grabbed another crayon and proceeded to scribble all over his drawing. He examined it thoughtfully and told me, Michael feels like this. I glanced at him, put my hand on his tiny back and whispered, James, is creepy Michael a real person? He was silent for a moment as he thought about it. He looked at me with one eyebrow raised and lifted his little shoulders. He simply said, I don't know. Hi, I'm Jamie Markey. And I'm Michael Tatum. And this is Ghoul Intentions. <laughs> Quarantine edition two. That's right. That's right. Always the ding. 
Always the ding. It's, it's the unofficial, the ding. uncredited ding. character on the it podcast. Is. We talked about that on a our podcast chat. regular. That's right. We the had chat a, was so much fun. We had a chat. We just finished recording it, mm-hmm. so we're recording on Sunday. So we had a, a chat for our patrons. It was super fun. Um, and we'll be doing more of those, so stay tuned, patrons. If you are not a patron and you would like to be, go to Patreon and, and be a patron. It's it's fun. It's fun, um, it's easy, and rewarding. And rewarding, and help support the podcast. <laughs> it's a great way to stay social in these socially the isolating Discord times. really is. We started a new tier, mm-hmm. and it's $8. We're going to combine the $10 and $5 tiers later, but right now uh, you get the Discord and um, and some other things. It's all on there. What what you know what you get for it? So yes, uh, the Discord though is super fun. It's a nice and we're making a family. concerted effort to be on there more often. Yes, yes. We hadn't been because, as Jamie was saying, those of you that were on part of the chat uh, earlier today, hey, with all the travel and stuff we do, and all the other million moving parts in our lives, it was really hard not to. Yeah. It was really hard not to keep letting the you know. It was hard to find the bandwidth uh, to focus on exactly, anything. Exactly, exactly. Just so, the, the mental and emotional bandwidth to like interact. Yeah. So, but now this is you know one of the silver linings of this whole <laughs> dark, dark dark time is that like we, gonna, time. we have time to socialize with people in, in a more technologically savvy way. Yeah. Which is good. Which is good. We need to. It helps us. You know. Absolutely. Stay connected. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, uh, patreon.com slash ghoul intentions. That's where that is. Yes. Um, and I want to first of all say thank you hmm. to Felicia Angel. Yay, who Felicia. Was reading our cold open. She, of course, is another voice actor that we're friends with. So great. Yeah. She's so great. She loves spooky stuff as well. So it was really nice to have her do that for us. Um, have to thank our listener, Matthew Voss, for giving us... Well, we had the idea, but we hadn't done it. And and by commenting, he pushed us into it. And I think he wanted her to read his story. But uh, Amy's story, oh, number one, was God. first. Thank you, Amy, for sending that story. And it's so creepy. Um, and, and also, we wanted to make sure a woman read that story. So... Yeah, it needed to be read by yeah, a woman. Yeah, we so anyway, thank so you, Felicia. Good. So good. Amy, what the fuck? What the what did, what did I What did I say when you texted me that story the other day? You took credit for it. I was like, oh, <laughs> no. Kid's, uh, kid's on to me. He yeah, sees right. me hanging out in the trees doing my jawline exercises. That's right. <laughs> and we'll post pictures that she sent us. We'll post those it's creepy. Uh, on the Instagram it's so you can see creepy. it. Yeah, it's really, really creepy. Uh, so thank you, Amy, for that. Thank you, Felicia. You're amazing. Thank I you so much. I apologize on behalf of every Michael that That's this, right. that this that creepy, that this one Michael, Michael. Is, is creeping out this young kid. Oh, God, so terrifying. And and you know what's funny is I watched the Nukes Top 5. Oh, yeah. That, the yeah. latest one? Yes. With the, and it, there's uh-huh, probably a new uh-huh, one by the time uh-huh. this comes out, but the one with the kids on it and the kid that was like, there's, there's a, a dead, dead girl, girl in the tree. In the tree. She what? died. Fucking kids. Like, terrifying. I was watching that with Brandon uh, the other day as we watched them together when they come out, kind of like you and Jack will watch them mm-hmm. together. And I just turned to him. I'm like, this is another reason I don't want to have kids anymore. Right. They're terrifying. <laughs> so if you have terrifying children... Please send us your stories. Every child is terrifying. I love it. I love the, I mean, and it's, and I agree with Felicia, like, but is it just, is it just your son that sees them? Is it, are there other kids on the bus that see him? Does he interact with more than one kid? Is it, you know, just, what does he say about his house? What does he say about where he lives? You know, and she can't now because he's not in school because of pandemic. 2020 um he, she can't ask you know she can't get him to flatten ask the curb so we can answer these questions yeah that's right <laughs> stay inside so when we go back outside we can get the answers to the questions we really want <laughs> to have answers for um 
so anyway, thank you so much for that. Yes, um, such a great story. And thank uh, you, Felicia, for reading it so beautifully. And it, you know, it, I believe Amy started that with your podcast is fucking haunted, which is how she starts all of her messages to us. Because if, you, if you've listened, you've know Amy as also uh, the woman who has the little girl show up in her backseat. So oh, we are sorry and yet not on. sorry. You're welcome for giving us content. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. It's just a very insidious <laughs> way. I feel like I feel like we're Ghostbuster villains now. We are. We, don't <laughs> we mean have a to haunted be. podcast that's just out there to haunt people so we can generate content. Content. So if we've helped to generate, it's it's a sustainable business it's sustainable, model, right? So, but the point you have to send us your stories. If you blame us <laughs> for your haunting, please if let us know. If you're haunted because of this podcast, well, speak up. Speak up. Let us know. We want to know. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, anyway, today's episode is entitled. It's, it's hard to kind, kind of get back into it because we had had a, a week or so off, it felt like. Yeah, one, it felt like such so much longer because of the self isolation. Yeah, thing. maybe that's what it is. Um, no, because we had one last week. We did, we did, but it's just, it's felt like a while for it some did. reason. Um, I don't know why. It's just, it's been a weird time. It has been. Timey, wimey, wibbly, This wobbly. one week is a month. It feels like yeah. it. Jesus Christ. So, uh... But we were kind of looking. I, I wanted to do something kind of unusual that we mm-hmm. hadn't done before. And so it's... We've done haunted houses, haunted castles, haunted this, that, and the other. And I'm like, I want to look Close. like something unusual that's haunted. And so I kind of went down the rabbit hole and found this really tragic thing, which most of you will probably know about. If you don't, you will. And uh, and so we decided to, to go that to way. Go that and way. so the name of today's episode, in observance of that, is called The Final Frontier, um, which... That's from Star Trek, if you don't know that. Yeah, yeah. And we're not talking about, like... Space, the final frontier. Yeah. These are the voyage of the... Never mind. (laughs) 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 I love that so much. I have a confession to make. I am secretly a Star Trek nerd myself, and there's one character that got me into it, and that was uh, Khan. From, I love that character, and I loved how Ricardo Montalban played him. Mm-hmm. I love how uh, Montalban played him in the series when that character first came on board. I love how he played him in the film. I loved, uh, you know, I, I know that there are a lot of problems with the movie, but I, I loved how in the the new Star Trek, you know, films by J.J. Abrams, he popped up and was played by Benedict Cumberbatch to perfection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love that character. He's he's my one of my favorite examples in in modern fiction of the noble adversary right. who's ruthless, but but who kind of has decent motives because he's thinking mm-hmm. about his his people. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, but I also love the whole uh, the idea of why Gene Roddenberry came up with that character. It was an homage to someone he fought with in the war that he. Uh-huh never got in touch with again and presumed dead and so he wrote this character and named it after him hoping oh. that it would get out there in the world and that this guy would find him again and so it's it's that's got kind sad. of a you know it's sad but it's got kind of a lovely underpinning to it right. that that's you know one of a pop culture icon in in his own right was the result of someone trying to you know uh, resolve a misconnection wow um, it's a missed connections. That's what it is. Yeah, pretty and much. Craigslist. Hey, we fought together in World War Two. Uh, <laughs> thought Con this would get your attention because it's you know it's the most it's like so his, yeah. his not that it wasn't his reason for creating the show, but it's kind of in my mind. It's like wow, he created and he created one of the most endearing pop culture uh, phenomenon of of history, uh, basically, so he can get in touch with this guy that he was like, hey, dude, I want to have a beer with you again. You were really cool. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not exactly that happened. Right, but but, but he did create that character in homage to someone that he missed dearly. That's cool. And I just thought that was really cool. And it was just kind I of... don't have a memory 
necessarily. I just grew up watching stuff like that. I mean, uh, in Star Trek Next Gen, we watched pretty regularly when I was a kid. Again, I just like to remind those who know and tell everyone who doesn't know, my younger brother's name is Mm Jean-Luc. Literally. So (laughs) J-E-A-N hyphen L-U-C, that is his name. Uh, We're not French. (laughs) So (laughs) it was just something to keep in mind. Mm. Uh, But yeah, so... I think I we were thinking of the title and it took me five seconds. I was like, uh, so what about space? The final frontier. That's it. That's the yeah. title. So that's our title. You're going to start. Quick side note. Did you know the little da, 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 that yeah. little motif, musical mm-hmm. motif first appeared in a uh, uh, the Seventh Symphony of Gustav Mahler? I didn't even know what a Gustav Mahler was. Gustav Mahler is, is an early 20th century composer. He's one of my favorite symphonists. And uh, it's, I don't know whether it was a deliberate lifting of of that that they used in the Star he Trek theme. It? Uh, or, or whether it just <laughs> happens to be. But it does. If you listen to that, if you ever listen to that symphony, that little motif comes mm-hmm. up at some point in the first movement. And you're like, that's the fucking Star Trek movement. It's kind of oh, cool. So, sorry. Right. No, well, I didn't know that because I didn't know that the, any that of, a Gustav Mahler I didn't was know those facts were <laughs> existing. So Now, if I could just find proof that the guy that Khan is based on at some point attended a Mahler concert. And it's Everything like, would full come circle, together. Six uh, degrees of separation.H- or so what? Six feet of separation, I think, now is the norm. Six feet. Anyway. Six feet of separation. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we're, we're six feet apart. We are. Yeah. Sure. I can't reach you. Well, yeah, I could reach you, but I'm not going to do it. I guess it's like five feet. I would say five feet. <laughs> Uh, okay, okay. We're washing our hands constantly. We we're not breathing in each other's we faces. We don't go anywhere either. But we're doing this for you guys. Okay. Um, Sorry, and I don't mean to be so glib about it because I know like what I'm discussing is kind of tragic and, and really sad. Yeah. And, and will bring back memories for some of you, I'm sure, because right. I, I touch upon a few so things. So what are you talking I'm about? I'm going to talk about a, a haunted launch pad. Mm-hmm. Um, some people may have heard of it. It's uh, Launch Complex 34 of Cape Kennedy Air Force Station down in uh, um, Canaveral. Cape Canaveral. Cape Canaveral. I've been there. I was on a trip. I was the last time in uh, December, just this past December, Brandon and I uh, and Devin had gone down to uh, uh, Holiday Matsuri in Orlando. Mm -hmm. And they always take us to like the parks when we have time the day or after or before or something like that. And we were just entering Epcot Center when we, we saw a bunch of people like standing in the entrance, like looking off to the side. And we're like, what the fuck? And they're like, yeah, the SpaceX launch is about to happen and we could see it oh from there. cool yeah, it was that's really cool, really cool. It was i uh, neat. i've never i've never gotten to see it and it was great it was way off like we couldn't see the launch but we could see the light of the of the craft yeah. as it came into the oh nice you know as it I left the atmosphere was exceedingly bored during this i'm gonna be honest it was so fucking boring now let me be clear real quick that my I have a military family, so I've seen a lot of fucking planes in my life, and I've seen a lot of lot of ships. I'm gonna talk a lot about uh, these. In I know. This. I'm sorry. So you but can just you can take a break happened, now. Though, I won't take offense. Is like my grandfather, my uncles, they, and my dad. They'd be like, "Look at this plane," and that they, they could just enjoy looking at the plane. And I'm like, <laughs> it's like watching my dad shop for grills. Yeah, like just that's what it was, and I never knew what the stories behind the plane because mm. I like stories. Like, right. take me right, right, where right. I know there's going to be a story. That's what I want to hear. I don't want to know like what kind of fucking engine is in that plane because I don't care. I do not care. Uh, if I'm unless on it was a made ship, by someone who had a story to tell. Yeah, if I'm on a ship, you better tell me why that ship is haunted. That's what I want to fucking know. I don't want to know right. all the like why this 
metal was used on the wall unless there's some really good story behind it. Mm, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that's what that experience was for me. I don't remember seeing a lot of stories around and everything. It was just like, here's a big plane and here's a big ship and here's a big other metal thing that means something. And it was just oh, <laughs> so tedious. So I'll I think that was a failure. Clear of that. I think fail, that was a failure, failure on, my, fa on my oh. parents' part for not giving me more stories. You know, that's the thing. That's if you want to, if you want children to be engaged uh, in what you're trying to tell them, you make it into a story because our, our brains are literally wired to digest things better if it's in a narrative format. Mm -hmm. That's why we make stories out of everything. That's why yeah. we're, if we're given like the bare bones information, our minds will start weaving a story out of it, which it comes with its own problems, of course, but that's how, <laughs> that's how you engage. That's how you yeah. teach a child is you make a story out of it. Anyway. Okay. So. So I'm going to talk about a haunted launch comp haunted launch complex 34. My sources are, of course, Wikipedia, a site called Haunted Attractions, which was had a really well written article on the subject, uh, OuterPlaces.com, Dayton Daily News, which had a very interesting article I will quote extensively from, and the Polaris Project, which is um, a website essentially designed to talk about space travel and like mm. you know it's 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 an educational tool because uh, we talk a lot about that now. So this is a sad story and it's dark. So. Everyone gets your sad hats on. Right. Also, this um, is a podcast about ghosts. But so. this is particularly this was a national tragedy, and yeah. I, I feel like I feel the need to be like trigger warning. This okay. is this it's is intense. This is pretty intense. Uh, and some of you may not remember it, but I'm going to touch on things that you no doubt do. Uh, do you know the Apollo One tragedy at all? Have you heard of it? Or, or oh you know God, about, yes. Yeah. Okay. I do, yeah. Okay. So um, let me start by saying, like, when the remains of the space shuttle Columbia careened across the North Texas sky the morning of February 1st, 2003, can't believe it was that long ago, for many people, myself included, the tragedy harkened back to the infamous Challenger explosion of 1986. Mm -hmm. Now, by an eerie coincidence, the night before uh, the, the night before the Columbia explosion, my then partner and I had seen a local screening of the film Nagoya Katsi, which is part of a, a series of documentary films. There's just a bunch of really cool images about of modern civilization with scores of Philip Glass put to them. Um, but this particular film included images from the Challenger disaster. And the next day we woke up to hear about the Columbia tragedy. And we're like, oh, that's fucking weird. Because we, we obviously talked a lot about remembering the Challenger mm -hmm. um, when we saw the film, the, the footage of it right. in the film. Um, so the Challenger disaster flooded my memory when, when the Columbia exploded. On Tuesday, January 28th of 1986, I was in fourth grade. I'd missed the initial launch on account of physical therapy. Every classroom but the one where I happened to be performing my posture exercises every other day was equipped with a television. I had, um, I almost had scoliosis as a kid. Mm -hmm. And so they had to, I had to take a lot of physical therapy for speech therapy and stuff. And so my speech therapist also kind of doubled as a physical therapist in other respects. So I had to go to this little lounge classroom that was just her and I. And for about 30 minutes out of every uh, homeroom class, Every day, every other day, rather, I'd have to go and do weird things like get on like a carpeted skateboard and push myself around, you know, mm -hmm. flat so that it kind of oh, wow. trained my shoulders outward. Yeah. And um, but anyway, so because I was in that room, I wasn't where a television was and yeah. the rest of school was gathered around. I was. Uh, well, yeah. So I'd missed the initial launch, um, but every, you know, everyone was, uh, you know, was gathered around these televisions all across the school, excited to see NASA make history. The fact that one of the astronauts on board, Krista McCulloch, was a teacher from Concord, New Hampshire, who also, uh, she was a history teacher who also taught English, uh, made it all the more special, especially for our teachers that were, you know, excited to show us these things. So yeah. as I hurried, as I hurried from physical therapy to homeroom, hoping to catch what I could of the event before the shuttle disappeared into space, I was suddenly rocked by a peal of screams emanating from all over the school in unison. 
the sound of curlier blood, let me fucking tell you. Now, by mm -hmm. the time I burst into Mr. Palmer's classroom, he was my homeroom teacher at the time, the challenger was just a chaotic burst of smoke and flames on the television screen. My fellow students were in shock, and Mr. Palmer was crying. Yeah, no. we, so I remember it as well. I'm often to say, like, because, you know, Gen X is notoriously laughing off a lot of things. And I think that's just how we do, we it's, deal. I think that's how a lot of people mechanism. deal with stuff. But, um, you know, people talk about what everybody's lived with. And it's like, yeah, but Generation X lived with as a child mm -hmm. watching the Challenger explode in unlike television. And, mm -hmm. you know, like, and we knew we were all going to take a class with that teacher. And at my school, mm. our the first mm. first alternate, I think, to go if she could not have gone was one of our fourth grade teachers. <sighs> and so we were all very much a part of like there were daily things that were happening. And it's so weird that you did this. We talked about this ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, my favorite murder just covered the Challenger mm. explosion. So I, know, I didn't know that. Yeah, That's right. So it's so weird. weird. I wonder timing. why we're all thinking of the same yeah, thing at the same uh, time. Maybe because we're maybe in the midst national of a national disaster. tragedy right now. <laughs> so, uh, but if you, it's the last week, week before last, uh, Karen talks about it and mm. she does a really good job about going through and explaining what it was, but the buildup to it was huge. So, oh, yeah. yeah, it was a really big deal. Like, it was the first time a civilian mm -hmm. uh, and a teacher had been part of the space program. Right, right. And, and, and she, she was, was going to uh, teach us a class from space. She was. It was going to uh, be, be so cool. so fucking cool. But, it's all uh, because of these fucking rubber seals yeah um yeah. i'll never forget seeing uh much later when i when i could appreciate it i saw uh, um uh what's his name the famous uh friedman friedman the, the famous physicist uh eccentric <laughs> oh, guy friedman. He, uh, he sorry <laughs> I, he he was doing he was before congress talking about he was uh, kind of a he was the stephen hawking mm -hmm. of his day he was very much a scientific celebrity he was the uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson of his day is probably a better way of putting it because he was very, very, um, just very popular and kind of fun and, and nerdy and wore it proudly. And um, he, they were talking about like, do you think these rubber seals really could have frozen and, and, and burst because of that and broken? And, and they were like saying, no, they couldn't. It's not, it was not a concern because it's not physically possible. Right. And, and Friedman was like, um, let me show you. And he took a fucking rubber band and put it in a glass of ice water and then snapped it right in front of them on Congress. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, and you're in charge of the fucking space program, are you? Right. And I'll never forget seeing that. And I'm, I'm probably fucking getting his name wrong. Why am I fucking, ah, sorry. Uh, I don't know. I, they Fe might Feldman talk about or Friedman it. at something, but... Um, if you, but it was he wasn't the, involved in the NASA project. He was just right. a he was a, a witness. They talk about a little bit of it hearing. too. So yeah, it's um, possible. But uh, you but know, anyway, this isn't really about the yeah, challenger. Disaster. I didn't that even just know kind of a, until I listened because I think I subconsciously avoided it mm. after that because I just wanted to distance myself from that experience. Uh, it was the same thing. Like, you know, I was in high school during um, the Oklahoma City bombing, and I've never gone to mm. the the thing for it and i've kind of distanced because it was a pretty traumatic experience as well and so you know i, I have a tendency to distance myself from those so i think that's probably why i never yeah. knew for me it was those challenger disasters the oklahoma city bombing mm -hmm. of course that was that hit you a lot harder because you yeah. were there and yeah. knew people that were there yeah um and then uh, the waco thing the waco siege of waco in 93 mm -hmm. we watched that we watched it burn we watched yeah. the complex burn on live television and and mrs uh, um Irwin's class. And meanwhile, we were fucking getting kidnapped <laughs> all the time. Right. It was a, it was a very traumatic. The 80s were real traumatic for 80s children. and 90s were, yes. yeah. Real traumatic. But anyway, so, okay, okay, so, so anyway, story. so back to this. So, so, um, 
you know, later, while trying to help all of us kids process the horror we'd witness unfold in real fucking time, our teacher, Mr. Palmer, recalled a similar event from his own childhood that had left him with lasting psychological scars, the Apollo 1 tragedy, which I'd never heard of before. Uh, of course, because why would I have at that age? But the story is this. Essentially, on January 27th, 1967, three brave souls lost their lives when a command module that launched Complex 34 of Cape Kennedy Air Force Station caught fire during a test run going up like a tinderbox and killing everyone. The events themselves are heartrending, needless to say, and by no means am I trying to make light of a national tragedy by fitting it into the kind of spoopy MO of our podcast. You might well, you know, ask what the space program has to do with what we typically cover on Ghoul Intentions to begin with. Well, might surprise you to know that in some ways the Apollo 1 disaster represents a rather unique intersection of science and the paranormal, at least according to many. You see, after I started doing a little research, it turns out that Launch Complex 34 has a reputation for being haunted, but in a kind of unusual way. Right. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I just you. increased the font a little bit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Was 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 I reading it too small? <laughs> no, but I could tell you were. You kept, you kept looking was, around your just, microphone. That's just me getting into it. Right. Um, okay. So. Uh, NASA is usually associated with some of humanity's most stunning and dramatic scientific accomplishments, writes Danica Drury, a fellow paranormal enthusiast and writer for Haunted Attractions. Though the immaculate, towering white buildings of the Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, Florida are the, least, are the last place you'd expect to encounter the paranormal, there are traces of a tragic history. Not far from the clean, polished, state-of-the-art infrastructure, she goes on to write, lays a dark piece of NASA's history, the abandoned remains of Launch Complex 34. Mm. A spray-painted sign reading simply, Abandon in Place. They've, they've just abandoned it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, hangs uh, across the chain-link fence surrounding the badly weathered site. It's still open to visit visitors sometimes. We'll get into that a little bit. It used to be something you could visit all the time, but they've, they've backed off on letting people in without special permissions. Um, it marks a shattering turning point in our national obsession with space travel. Uh, it's now a series of structures altered only by the ravages of time since the complex's closure in 1968. LC-34 is now just a sad memorial to the deaths of Gus Grissom, Roger B. Chaff, and Edward H. White. When work began on the site in 1960, Launch, launch Complex 34, 30, fuck, that's hard to say. When, <laughs> when, when work began on the site in 1960, uh, LC-34, that's much there easier to say, yeah. was NASA's pride and joy. It was America's answer to our rivalry with the Soviets to be the first in, to conquer space. Now, modern history buffs will, of course, remember that the USSR beat us to the punch in April of 1961 when Yuri uh, Garagin, G-A-G-A-R-I-N, sure. uh, who was aboard the Vostok, became the first human being in orbit. NASA's Launch Complex 34 was completed two months later, shortly after President Kennedy upped the ante by setting our sights on the moon. Remember, Kennedy was like famously, he's like, don't worry about the Russians, guys. We're going to the fucking moon. Right. <laughs> and, and NASA was like, we are? We are, okay. And meanwhile, <laughs> and then, Russia was sending people out and doing the test stuff, and people would die, but they would just erase their existence uh -huh. so that they didn't look like they were failing. And that is real fucking it's creepy. It's so fucked that up. That whole, yeah, and the dog with the sinning, the, oh, oh, the poor like, dog. Uh, yeah. dog. Now, between 1961 and 1967, LC-34 took pride of place as the designated launch pad for the Saturn series, which is a series of unmanned rockets designed to build up our capacity for a lunar mission. Now, following years of expensive trial and error, and I mean expensive trial and mm -hmm. error, LC-34 was slated to host NASA's most significant launch up to that point, the Apollo 1, which was to be the first manned flight to the moon. It was set for February 21st of that year. Sadly, the three pilots chosen wouldn't live to see it through. 
Selected as one of the Mercury 7 astronauts, Grissom had been the pilot of Mercury Redstone for the second American suborbital flight on July 21st, 1961. The what? The second American? The second American suborbital flight. Meaning, What's that? So uh, he, it was a flight that went into space, uh-huh. kind of just touched on space, just kind of, just tickled it and came back down. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Of just space. a little bit. If I'm understanding it correctly, and someone someone thought they're going to be like, "That's not how it works." Just a tiny kind of, bit. A, of space. Think of like a test, okay. almost like a almost like a sounding flight, just to kind of go mm. and see, you know. Uh, so that's a crazy thing. And he did that on July twenty uh, first, nineteen sixty one. Okay. Now at the end of that flight, the capsule's hatch blew off prematurely after it landed in the Atlantic Ocean. Recovery helicopters. <laughs> My hatch <laughs> blows prematurely all the time. <laughs> it's kind of a problem, you know. Oh, being in your forties. Um, <laughs> recovery. Hel- Just to be clear, that's not a sexual reference. I'm talking about the ass flap on my pajamas. Recovery. <laughs> <laughs> recovery helicopters picked up and flew Grissom to safety, but the blown hatch caused the craft to fill with water and sink. It remains to this day at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, Grissom's next flight was in the Project Gemini program, and he uh, as command pilot for the Gemini Three, which was a successful three-orbit mission on March 23rd, 1965. Grissom enlisted as an aviation cadet, had enlisted as an aviation cadet in the U.S. Army Air Forces during World War II when he was just a senior in high school. He completed his entrance exam in November of 1943 and entered the U.S. Army Air Forces on August 8th, uh, 1944 at Benjamin, at Fort Benjamin Harrison, Indiana. He was sent to Shepherd Field in Wichita Falls, Texas for five Mm. weeks of basic training and was later stationed at Brooksfield in San Antonio. In January 1945, Grissom was assigned to Boca Raton Army Airfield to the Boca Raton Army Air. Uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. In Boca, January Boca of 1945, Grissom was assigned to the Boca Raton Army Airfield in Florida. Although he was interested in becoming a pilot at the time, most of Grissom's time before his discharge in 1945 was spent as a clerk. He pursued aviation after his time in the war. Now, Chaffee was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where he became an Eagle Scout. He graduated from Central High School in 1953 and accepted a Naval Reserve Officers Training Corps scholarship. That's a NROTC scholarship. He began his college education in, at Illinois Institute of Technology, where he was involved in the fraternity Phi Kappa Sigma. He transferred to Purdue University in 1954, continuing his involvement in the Phi Kappa Sigma and obtaining his private pilot's license. After graduating from Purdue in 57, Chaffee completed his naval training and was commissioned as an ensign. He became pilot. Uh, he began pilot training at Naval Air uh, at Naval Air Station, Pensacola, Florida, flying aircraft such as the T-34, T-28, and A-3D. He became quality and safety control officer for Heavy Photographic Squadron 62. Not sure what that means. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of numbers it, and letters. But it sounds the- really fuck like you gotta be really fucking smart. <laughs> His time in this unit included taking crucial photos of Cuba during the Cuban Missile Crisis, earning him the Air Medal. He was promoted to Lieutenant Commander in 1966. Along with 13 other pilots, Chaffee was selected to be an astronaut as part of, Na- of, the, ast- of the NASA Astronaut Group 3 in 1963. He served as capsule communicator for the Gemini 3 and Gemini 4 missions and received his first spaceflight assignments in 1966 as the third-ranking pilot on Apollo 1. After graduating from West Point in 52 with a Bachelor of Science degree, Edward Higgins White II was assigned to the 22nd Fighter Day Squadron at Bitburg Air Base, 
uh, West Germany. There he flew uh, uh, an F-86 Sabre and F-100 Super Sabre squadrons. In 1958, he enrolled in the University of Michigan to study aeronautical engineering, which is what my nephew is studying. Oh. From home now. Ugh, uh, so weird. White then received test pilot training at, Edward Air at Edwards Air Force Base, California, before being assigned as a test pilot for the Aeronautical Systems Division at Wright-Patterson. White was selected as one of the second group of astronauts. Um, he was assigned as pilot of Gemini 4 alongside command pilot James McDivitt. On June 3rd, 1965, White became the first American to walk in space. Cool. He was then assigned as senior pilot of the first crewed Apollo mission, Apollo 1. He was awarded the NASA Distinguished Service Medal for his flight in the Gemini 4 and was uh, posthumously awarded the Congressional Space Medal of Honor. So that was to kind of sum it up the three men that were that were aboard mm -hmm. uh, that were to be piloting the the Apollo 1 and to quote extensively from Drury's article which I mentioned earlier because I just love how she puts it Grissom, White, and Chaffee were three of the most decorated and qualified pilots in the American space program. The charismatic Gus Grissom was a lifelong Boy Scout whose amiable personality had endeared him to millions when he became the second American to fly in space. White had become the first American to perform a spacewalk and is quoted as having said that returning to his shuttle from that walk was the saddest moment of his life. Wow. Chaffee was the youngest of the three and newer to the space program. The Apollo mission would, ha would have been his first assignment. The crew was eager to take their place in history, even taking it upon themselves to put forth a design for the mission patch, a command module flying over the Florida coast with the moon on the horizon as its distant goal. Now let's talk for a moment uh, to take a break here to talk about the risk of space travel as described by the Polaris Project, because it's not just a matter of like, hey, I want to go into space and they fucking let you. Like, yeah. you have to be at least seven kinds of badass to even right. want to do this kind of shit, especially when it hadn't been done that much before. Yeah. These, these guys were going on the first lunar flight. We'd never been to the moon. We never, we had mm -hmm. no idea what was up there. Like I love, there's an Eddie Izzard thing where he's like, man, what if there'd have been monsters? <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so space travel is physically hard on the human body. There are episodes of high acceleration, such as during liftoff that cause people to feel as if they have suddenly gotten much heavier like me after eating pizza mm, or as if the gravity so in 20 <laughs> minutes as if the gravity they experience has suddenly increased that's why we describe spaceship acceleration in terms of g's uh g for gravity one g is equivalent to the force of gravity at sea level here on earth mm. so like five g's five times that okay uh, during liftoff, uh, astronauts feel very strong forces. Once in space, they experience microgravity, which is typically called zero-g or free fall. This is where astronauts feel exactly as though they were falling and falling and falling, uh. even though they stay in the same place inside of their craft. <gasps> that is creepy. The terms microgravity and zero-g uh. are actually a bit misleading, although they describe what the astronaut feels rather vividly. The astronaut isn't really in zero gravity because Earth is still pulling on the astronaut just about as much as it is on us. More accurately, the astronaut is in a circular orbit around the Earth and the spaceship is in the same orbit, so they stay together and it feels as though there is no gravity because of it. Uh, they're both falling around the Earth together, so free fall is kind of a better name for the phenomenon. Oh, Although weird. you might not expect zero-g to be a problem, many astronauts feel sick at the start of a flight and not everyone gets over those feelings as the days pass. Also, in zero-g or free fall, the human body changes in subtle ways. Astronauts who are up for a couple of weeks tend to get taller to the tune of three inches. The extra height disappears after they land. Uh, a more serious health threat is that over an extended time period, months and years, bones get weaker. Mm. While the details are not yet understood, this is probably related to the fact that people who do a lot of weightlifting exercises are less likely to get osteoporosis when they get old. 
Now back to Drury's article. On January 27, 1967, the three men were scheduled to participate in a launch rehearsal at LC-34. It was meant to test the functionality of the spacecraft's internal power systems. With the rocket and the launch vehicle emptied of fuel, the test was considered to be routine and non-hazardous. After several hours of testing systems, the crew was running through their mission checklist again while waiting for some technical issues to be resolved. It was then that a power surge occurred, causing a fire to erupt in the oxygen-rich cabin. The flames spread quickly, and the internal pressure of the hatch prevented the astronauts from opening it to escape. Ground crews scrambled to free the trapped men, but were hampered by ill-prepared equipment. The, commanding center, the command center crew was left to listen in horror to the final agonized transmissions of the mm. three men trapped inside as they yeah. burned alive. Yeah. After the tragedy, the complex was outfitted with additional safety equipment. Fire extinguishing systems and slide wires were installed with the determination that such a horrific incident would never occur again. The complex had one final redeeming moment when it served as the launching grounds for the first manned Apollo mission on October 11th, 1968. Perhaps unable to escape the weight of what had happened there before, the complex was decommissioned not long after. The sudden and violent nature of the three deaths that occurred there quickly lent LC-34 an eerie reputation. Visitors and former employees have noted being overwhelmed with feelings of sadness and fear. Some even report hearing loud screams coming from the ruins of the launch pad, which still stand. Mm. NASA has never commented on these reports, but the looming presence of the decaying launch pad undoubtedly serves as a haunting reminder of a painful past. Those who visit LC-34 report that it is at least a sobering experience. Once a year on the anniversary of the accident, NASA arranges for the surviving family of their astronauts to visit the complex. Uh, a plaque affixed to the structure reads, quote, in memory of those who made the ultimate sacrifice so others could reach the stars, ad astra per aspera, which translates to a rough road leads to the stars. Mm. The tragic events of that day were subject to intense investigations by committees from both houses of Congress and would eventually lead to a full-scale redesign of the Apollo command modules. LC-34 would go on to host just one more launch of note than uh, the successful launch of the first manned mission uh, in the Apollo series, Apollo 7, in October of 1968, as I mentioned. Just three months later, the complex was taken out of commission before being completely mothballed in 1971. Uh, and this is kind of getting back into the thing. In the years since those tragic events, LC-34 has become an area of paranormal fascination, with many believing the site is haunted by the brave souls of Grism, White, and Chaffee. Visitors to the site have reported hearing loud screams emanating from the decaying launch pad, while others have reported being overcome with a sense of sadness and fear. Rumor has it that at one point the dreadful reports became so worrisome to NASA officials that they temporarily, temporarily closed the facility to all visitors. And they did do that. And in fact, it's mm. still you still can't just get on there. You have to, I believe, call ahead and arrange for it. It used to be easier. Yeah. And I think ever since then, and again, NASA won't comment on whether that's why they did it, but there doesn't seem to be another reason. Right, yeah. Uh, for those of a curious nature, as well as those who wish to pay their respects, Launch Complex 34 is open to the public sometimes, and paranormal activity aside, it makes for a fascinating walk through a dark piece of NASA history. Tours can be arranged, the Air Force Space and uh, Missile, Missile Museum in Cape Canaveral, but you'll have to wait until the government shut down. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not hard to imagine that the desolate and abandoned Launch Complex 34 at Cape Canaveral is haunted. Actually, just one look at it is all it takes. And I, I urge you to go and look at pictures of it. It's, yeah. it's eerie. Um, what's left of the windswept and barren former NASA launch site near the Atlantic Ocean, once a crown jewel in America's space program, is 
eerily deserted most of the time, with just the grim remains of the concrete launch platform and rusted steel left as reminders of its ill-fated history. Some have reported hearing screams near the hulking monument, yes, while others have reported dark feelings of dread, sadness, or fear, even if they didn't necessarily know the history of Apollo 1. And that's according to the Huffington Post. Floating apparitions have also been reported, though less uh, frequently. Um, and there's a book called Weird Hauntings, True Tales of Ghostly Places, where that, they talk about that a little bit. Um, one security guard um, who was not named talked about seeing someone uh, walking on top of the launch pad who oh. should not have been there. And it was like in the middle of the day. And so, of course, you would be like, what the fuck? And, you know, yeah. and there's no one up there, but there's no way they could have gotten down without him seeing them. Because right. there's only one way up and you can't just jump off the damn thing. It's mm -hmm. a fucking launch pad. Um, NASA has never publicly commented on the reports of Launch Complex 34 being haunted, uh, but the bleak remains of the launch pad, two plaques, and three granite benches remain at the site as a memorial to the fallen astronauts. And I'll close by talking a little bit about a guy named T.C. Lethbridge, who I think I've brought up tangentially on the podcast before. He was an archaeologist. Uh, from Cambridge, died in 1971. And he made a name for himself. He kind of fell in with this woman named Margaret Murray, anthropologist who um, she's famous for those who know um, as being, uh, she was the first anthropologist to conceptualize witchcraft as an actual uh, fertility cult that had survived in secret on the fringes of society for hundreds of years. Mm. Now, her theories have since been discredited a little bit, though I still think there's some value to them. But uh, Lethbridge, who was just an archaeologist at that point, kind of found her theories fascinating. So it kind of pointed him to look at uh, the paranormal, which was right. not typically the purview of archaeologists. Archaeologists, yeah. And he is one of the pioneers of thinking that ghosts are more than, than what they're traditionally thought to be. Like for him, ghosts weren't necessarily the, the, the souls of the dead, mm -hmm. but they were somehow projections um, for, of the human mind that took on physical reality. But it was as though like some people, he would call them receivers or transmitters, could like walk to a particular location where something had happened, something sufficiently uh, energetic enough, be it tragic or, or emotional in some other profound way, that events could be imprinted on the location and people that were sensitive enough could show up and act as unwitting signal boosters and experience something. And that's why, uh, so, you know, we talk a lot about like, oh, one person could live in a haunted house and have all these experience and the next person sees or feels nothing. Mm -hmm. And it has to do, it's not because one person is out of their mind and imagining all of it. It's because they're just sensitive to it the way, you know, you're sensitive to gluten and I'm not, right. you know, and so they, so there's just the location and person come together mm -hmm. in this way that produces the phenomenon. He was the first, Lethbridge was the first person to do that. And the reason I bring it up is because I don't want to leave people, I don't want to leave this story, um, I don't want to leave people who've heard the story thinking that the astronauts are somehow trapped on that launch pad right. and having to relive, relive this awful, 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 awful thing. I yeah. think, I hope they're long in the stars and i hope that you know people that experience things i hope that i believe that lethbridge theories are are correct and that people that experience things at that launch pad are just experiencing a moment that's been kind of captured there but that the souls themselves that are not residual. literally reliving yeah yeah that so energy. Yeah. wow yeah that was dark mm. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but I want to tell you, it seemed, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, interesting. it spoke to me well, for some reason and i, I think it's why. interesting because they just you know covered it yeah. When the so. Challenger disaster happened, and I, I hadn't thought about this in a long time, but I was talking to my mother the other day about it because we were keeping in touch with all this, and mm -hmm. I talked, told her about the subject I was doing, and she's like, do you remember the picture you drew? And I didn't, and so she, took, she found it in the scrapbook and took a picture and sent it to me. And I was like, oh my God, right. I, I wrote a, wrote, I uh, drew the explosion. 
mm. later on. Yeah, you know, because of course you could see it. It was on the news constantly. Right, constantly, yeah. And I drew it and I was like, I'm angry. And I wrote, I'm angry about this. Oh, Michael. Michael. Fourth grade Michael was very upset about the childhood yeah. disaster. Yeah. Well, because my company, it was the, the fact that there was a teacher on board. I mean, everyone that was on board, of course, was a fucking hero. But, you know, the fact that there was a teacher on board just resonated with me because, you know, my mom's a teacher. Same. My grandmother's a teacher. You yeah. know, we, I come from a family of teachers. So that was like one also, of our, one of our people. teachers. We had lots of teachers. Yeah. yeah. Teachers. I, and because of that, I was always very close to the teachers I had that were good. Yeah. And I was, I right. was very lucky to have a lot of good teachers in my uh. life. So, yeah. Well, good storytelling. Yeah. Uh, I think the pizza's here. You want to go down and have a slice? Let's have a slice yeah, of pizza and break, then come back slice. and we'll tell the ghost story of the pizza. That sounds great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, yes. Do you hear the fizz? Do we hear the fizz? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure they can hear it. If not, this is going to just be really random, but I'm sure they... If Hey, Matt, if there's no fizz to be heard, could you just put just in some put sound in effects some for us? <laughs> we, it's so funny. We couldn't get him to shut up, and then it was like, well, let's just... <laughs> Turns out we our drinks are shy. This is, uh, we're not having alcohol right now. Well, you can't right now I because can't, of your tum my tummy. Yeah. Hopefully in a week or so, I'll be able to imbibe again. Yeah. Because I am missing it. <sighs> um, it's okay. I'll but drink, we're drinking. I'll drink for you when thank, I get home. Thank you, Michael. We are drinking currently Xavier. Xavier. The cherry cola. Cherry cola. It's good. Not like bad. It. It's not bad. It's not bad. And we have as colas go. Instead of like taking sanitizer to the top of the cups, <laughs> we just pour them into a different cup. Yes. Because you mean top of the cans? Top of the can, yeah. Yeah. Because you know now we're I'm like I'm overthinking because realistically <laughs> these were probably boxed way before. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, but it's, there's probably <laughs> no there's probably no coronavirus on the probably cans. Probably not. Probably not. But we have been pizzaed. Oh yes. And Xavier'd. It was so good. We tipped really the good. shit we did. out of Tip the delivery person. We delivery people. Tip the hell out of them. Because they have been earning it. I think All Jeffrey, right. Jeffree Star tipped uh, someone $1,000. Nice. He's he's also very rich. Right, yeah. I um, wish I could afford to tip someone $1,000. <laughs> uh, okay, so in... I, I, I thought, well, okay, the space theme's interesting. Maybe I could do another... So, and then I was like, uh, I don't know. I feel like... There's not a lot of haunted space stories. There aren't. There aren't. And what I did, though, is think, okay, well, people go to Cape Canaveral yes. on vacation. So if uh -huh. you are planning it's a, a vacation in the not near future, obviously. <laughs> Sometime uh, in 2021. Yeah. To go to Cape Canaveral in that area, there is also a restaurant called Ashley's Restaurant and Bar in Rockledge, Florida, mm. which is about 20 minutes. I'm sorry, 20 miles. Up the coast. Just, yeah, just just away from hmm. yeah and it's still pretty close to the water <clears throat> my sources and the reason that you want to go there is because it's considered one of the most haunted restaurants in florida oh. it's on all the lists all it's the everywhere lists. yes it's very ashley's is very like michelin rated it is it's a michelin rated haunting <laughs> <laughs> it's michael and jamie related uh, rated right, haunting. Right. so the sources are ashley's of rockledge.com their website um, you can also see what their menu has and what kind of things they have. I think they have dinner and a ghost on Mondays sometimes. So check that. Dinner and a ghost. They'll tell you the stories about the ghosts and the ah, pictures and I stuff like that. that that people have taken. Uh, there's a story by Michael B. on mylibraryworld.com and Judy Berman on earthwriter.com. Nice. My sources. As well as like, you know, Wikipedia and find a grave in those places. Right, so right. 
Ashley's. So handy, those things. They are. They really are. Ashley's restaurant, originally called Jack's Tavern, which I, of course, like the name of. <laughs> Prefer it, even. Uh, <laughs> I feel like someone got divorced and Ashley's like, it's mine now, Jack. Well, so <laughs> it's now Ashley's, but in 1933 when it was opened. Mm-hmm. So over the years, it actually exchanged hands several times. And every oh. time it changed hands, it seemed like it would change a name. So hmm. it was Cooney's Tavern, the Mad Duchess. The Loose Caboose, which is kind of awesome as well. <laughs> the Loose Caboose the loose of caboose. the Mad Duchess. Hey, Sparrowhawk and Gentleman Jims. Oh. Very nice. So in 1985 is when it was purchased and became Ashley's Restaurant. The Tudor-style wooden stucco building is furnished with old stained glass windows and antique pictures and windows on the dark wood walls. Mm. It looks very much like just it's an old Tudor house. It's kind of what it looks giant. Tudor house. Yeah. Um, That's cool. Booth and table seating flank either side of the downstairs bar area. There are two bars here. (gasps) There are two bars in this, which I'm excited about. Okay. Who who even cares? I know. Let's go. Two bars. Let's go. Um, so the downstairs bar area, which is overseen by tables along the railing of the upstairs dining area. Mm. So that's important. The upstairs is where the dining is. Downstairs is the bar. Uh, guests can feel vibrations through the building as trains pass on the railroad, which is like next to it. It's really, really close. However, there is another vibration that can be felt by those within the restaurant's walls. Hey, Ashley's is considered one of the most haunted restaurants in Florida. But why is it haunted? Yeah, why? Why is it haunted, Jamie? Legend has it. (gasps) Legend? That in 1934, a young woman by the name of Ethel Allen was found brutally murdered on the shores of the nearby Indian River. Mm. Ethel had been a regular of Jack's Tavern. Uh Uh-oh. An intriguing story. (gasps) But is it true? I don't know, Jamie. Is it true? According to the Statesville record and landmark from Monday, November 26th, 1934, well... (laughs) I'll just read it. All those dates have been really, really weird if the answer was no. Yeah. According to this paper, on (laughs) circa 1963, April 4th, no. The the name of the the column is Woman Slain in Florida Identified. Ah. Yes, it's true. Uh, Body of Florida girl, that of 19-year-old Ethel Allen, beaten and slain by unknown stranger. (sighs) So the article was from... As opposed to a known stranger. Right. That's true. Ugh. Sometimes those headline writers, they just be like, look, we need to fit this into the margin, so give me another adjective. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So a stranger who took pretty 19-year-old Ethel Allen for a ride and threw her into the Indian River after slashing her throat and burning her body was hunted today as a murder suspect. The girl's new body was found on the shore Wednesday. Police Chief McClendon learned that the stranger and the girl left her home at Coco, 20 miles north of here, early last Saturday, ostensibly to visit Miss Allen's mother at Wachula. McClendon, I hope that's how you say it, Wachula. I think of Wachita, Wach, Wachula. Anyway. Wachula. <clears throat> Wachula. Anyway. Uh, McClendon said the girl had $20 in her purse when she left Coco. None of her clothing nor the purse have been found. Officers have been unsuccessful in an attempt to find the spot where the victim's body was burned in such a manner as to make identification difficult. Oh. A ring, a tattooed design on the right leg, and a scar on the breast finally led to an identification of the body as that of the attractive girl who has been employed at a boarding house at Coco. Chief McClendon said the suspect was about 30 years old and had lived near Coco for less than a month. It had not been determined whether the girl had been criminally attacked before she was slain, he said. 
of course, we know what criminally attacked means. Right. He was told the couple had been drinking before they left Coco. Uh, so, yeah, it's true. Oof. Ethel Allen was born in February of 1916. She was actually 18 when she died, not 19. But for some mm. reason, math is sometimes hard for people. It's like they heard she was 19, so they went with it. Yeah. But based on dates. Or maybe she, you know, maybe they she... didn't know what year she was actually born. Could that be. kind of a thing. Could be. Uh, she mm. was buried in Crooked Mile Cemetery, now known as Georgiana Cemetery, which is located on Merritt Island, about nine miles away from the restaurant. Wow. Yeah. So that's also supposed to be haunted as well. I didn't get into it much, but Crooked Mile Cemetery is supposed to be haunted oh, as well. Oh, well, I have to bookmark that for a future episode. Yeah. Violent crime is still not terribly common in Brevard County, so a brutal murder in 1934 must have been extraordinarily shocking to the community. Oh, shit. And tragically, the death of Ethel Allen was very violent. Mm. The badly mutilated and burned body uh, was found on the shore of the Indian River between Rockledge and Ugali? E-A-U-G-A-L-L-I-E. Ugali. Ugali. That's how I'm going to say it. I'm uh, probably wrong. Right. She was found November 21st, or yeah, Wednesday, November 21st, 1934. Hmm. Now, for those who maybe don't know, because I didn't, <laughs> the Indian River is located off the east coast of Florida between the mainland and the strips of islands, including the Kennedy Space Center. Mm -hmm. And then there's another little river before you get to Cape Canaveral, right? So they're all, it's all right there. It's been a Kennedy Space Center, Cocoa Beach, Merritt Island where she was buried, those are all kind of like this dividing line between the East Coast and the yeah. Atlantic. Okay. And so in between them and the coast is the Indian River. Okay. 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 <laughs> to me, I'd see it and be like, that's ocean. But it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a river, apparently. Uh, <laughs> so uh, to this day, Ethel's story fascinates locals and has been kept alive in part due to the claim that her ghost haunts Ashley's Restaurant in Rockledge, which we'll get to in a minute. The facts are that on the 21st, a man driving north along the river noticed buzzards circling overhead and landing on the ground, which is, you know. A no, good sign. It's never a good sign. Well, I mean, a good, <laughs> sorry. I mean, it's a good sign that there's a dead body. Probably. There. There's problems. There's problems for sure. <laughs> uh, when he went to investigate the source, he discovered a badly decomposed and mutilated body. The identity was established later uh, that day by the Mrs. Gerald Finney of Coco, who ran the boarding house where Ethel had been staying and working. Identification was made by a tattoo on her right thigh and by a ring that she wore and the scar on her breast. When found, hmm. Ethel's body bore marks of extreme violence. Her throat had uh. been cut. Wounds were found in the forehead and the base of the skull. Uh. The right side of the face had been crushed, and the upper teeth and part of the jawbone were straight up missing. Oof. One leg was Oof. almost gone. What the fuck? I know. It was bad. The murderer had clearly attempted to dispose of the body by burning and throwing it into the river. The investigation into her death determined that Ethel had last been seen on a Sunday when she stepped when she stopped by a local packing house to say goodbye to a friend, saying that she was going to Wachula, which is about 130 miles away, mm. to visit her mother. That's a long trip in 1934. Yeah. She also said that her friend Bill was going to take her. She had been seen not long before this visit at the City Point Inn with a man named William Billy Wilson, who she had introduced to several of her friends. On the day that Ethel's body was found, Mr. Wilson backed his car up to his rented house on Barton Avenue in Rockledge, loaded his things into it, and left the area. 
fucking guilty. Although locals remembered that his car had Pennsylvania tags, Brevard Sheriff Roy Roberts was notified that 300 people with the same name had taken licenses for automobiles in Pennsylvania and that the road number and the number on the tag was not noticed by any person in the vicinity. Mm. Radio broadcasts were made and a reward was offered for his apprehension, but he was never seen again. Wow. Ethel was laid to rest and since Mr. Wilson was the only suspect, the case went cold and was never solved. Ugh. So why, then, is Ethel haunting Ashley's? Well, if we go back to that newspaper column, the last line says that the chief of police had been told the couple had been drinking the day uh, before they left Coco. Where were they drinking? <gasps> Jack's Tavern. Jack's Tavern. Which is now, of course, Ashley's. And Jack's was one of the last places Ethel was seen. She was a regular there as well. Mm. Uh, although a psychic who investigated the paranormal activity at Ashley's claimed to have had a vision of the murder of Ethel Allen taking place in the restaurant, there is, was, has never been any evidence that Ethel was actually ki killed there. But for whatever reason, those employed at the restaurant believe it's mostly... God damn it. <laughs> Two in one episode. That's great. Man. <clears throat> uh, I silence it and then I unsilent and then it fucking... <laughs> <laughs> For whatever reason, those employed at the restaurant believe it's mostly Ethel who haunts their workplace. Mm. So, what happens? Yeah, what what are the stories? Apparently, what are the stories? A lot of shit goes down yeah? at Ashley's. Yeah. Uh oh. When the first person gets to the restaurant to open it, they will hear someone knocking on the doors of the bathroom stall, a door slamming. Oh, the bathrooms. Why are these restaurants always have experiences in the bathrooms? Yeah. yeah. A door slamming, and and part of it for her is because another psychic or the same psychic, I'm not sure that kind of got convoluted a little bit, said that they're in their vision. She was running downstairs and hid in the bathroom from mm, Billy or okay. from some guy that was killing yeah. her. And he killed her in the bathroom. Hmm. <clears throat> but I'm like... That seems unlikely. So, it's so he like killed a her in Sunday a woman's night. bathroom. He, killed, he kills her in a restaurant with nobody noticing, cleans it up. No one knows that she run and, runs right. away. Like yeah. yeah, he cleans all of it up so there's no trace of her, takes her out, burns her somewhere, then takes her and dumps her in the lake. And nobody sees or notices anything. That, I mean, the rest of it would have been hard to do anyway, but yeah. at a restaurant. And she died violently too. So yeah. it's not like he just, you know, put a rag on her face or something right. from yeah. what they could tell. Yeah. So it seems straight. I mean, it seems psychic, a stretch. Man, sometimes the psychic but... detectives are the worst. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that maybe the spirit doesn't feel like she was killed uh, there. Maybe, like, because that's the last place she was alive, but who knows? Um, hmm. But the bathroom door stall. Will they'll hear someone knocking? They'll hear a door slamming. They'll see flickering lights in the kitchen. You'll feel like someone's behind you, and someone's standing just over your shoulder. Mm. But then you look and nobody's there. I feel that a lot when I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> just, just I've got nervous kidneys. You know, I, I can't so. <laughs> or nervous like, bladder. I'm like, get I can't. off my shoulder, ghost! I can't, <laughs> I can't produce while I you're can't right pee there. Pee with you watching? Yeah. Greg Parker said he was unaware of the ghostly legends surrounding the restaurant when he bought it in November 1985. Mm. Its reputation has attracted ghost hunters, psychics, paranormal investigators, and a television crew hoping to include its story in a pilot called Haunted America. Their encounters were picked up by Fate magazine, but the show never materialized. Mm. However, uh, they were... Fate Magazine reported that they saw what looked like a head-shaped spot of darkness, which on the thermograph means a cold spot, and it quickly vanished. Ooh. Then one of the three-man team, R. Andrew Nichols from Florida's Center for Paranormal Studies, yelled from the ladies' room, do you see that? 
What they saw on the monitor was what looked like a cylindrical object floating in midair. It was not solid, but fairly well defined. And so I have this picture I'm going to show you, Michael. Yes, yes, yes. I want to see. I want to see. It's pretty uh, smoky. Yeah, okay. It's a picture of a staircase, and in front of it, it just looks like a bunch of smoke. It just looks like a web of smoke, yeah. almost. Yeah. Like, if I didn't know better, I would just say it was an out-of-focus web closer to the lens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but apparently, that was not the case. Huh. The owner, Greg Parker, has heard all the stories. He even said his wife, employees, and customers have experienced some of them personally. According to Parker, my wife was walking downstairs once. She said she felt someone touching her on the shoulder. Others have reported feeling they were pushed by an invisible force while going up or down the stairs closest to the ladies' room. And this is very common. And a lot of times I, I would see that it was up. While they're going up the stairs, they feel not. And it's not just like a gentle, like it's like they get pushed and they move. Hmm. So it's a pretty intense push. Uh and, and they've rattled people, customers and employees. Yeah. Parker said one night he found a wait waitress who uh, worked there named Lisa outside crying. When he asked her what was wrong, she replied that she had actually seen the ghost. Mm -hmm. She left that night mm -hmm. and never came back. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Parker also said that someone going by the building said they saw a couple fighting in the apartment that was upstairs at the time. Mm -hmm. But nobody was there. So it makes you wonder, well, okay, that's interesting. Huh. But, yeah, because nobody knows what happened. Who knows? What if it's not the ghost of Bethel at all? What if something else happened that no one else, knows about? Yeah. Then... Well, she's not the only ghost, but we'll get there. Okay. Once a manager was moving the women, uh, was using the women's restroom, and she noticed in the stall next to hers that the woman next to her was wearing shoes from the 1930s. Okay. So for dudes who see this and are like, why is she looking at her shoes? We fucking look at her at each other's shoes. That's what we do. <laughs> it is a thing that happens. This is very true. We look at shoes. And if they're nice, we might even compliment them out loud. So <laughs> just in rare that instances. That's right. Don't think that we don't. <laughs> it's so true. So she noticed the shoes. When she met left the stall, she found that the stall next to hers was empty. So this shit happened to me at Snuffers. Yeah, on yeah. Yes, still creeps me out. The Snuffers is here. Snuffers is famous for being haunted. Yeah, in, and specifically the, the bathroom. Most, it's one of the most haunted restaurants, I guess, in in Dallas for sure. Yeah. And uh, so, okay, here's what happened. Ooh. I was with my mom and my dad and my brother, and we were eating at Snuffers. Now, oh, you live in Dallas, you know that you go to the, the Snuffers for the cheese fries. They're <laughs> fucking legit, and their burgers are really good too. Oh yeah, my dad. Was it he, burgers were his jam, but he just wanted it plain, meat and bread only. So he was very particular about burgers because he wanted, he, that flavor of the meat had to be just right. Right. Because so, that was all he was in for. That, like he right. didn't want, yeah. Now, did he eat McDonald's burgers still? Yes. But well, if we were going out. Can't all be caviar and champagne, I Jamie. guess. I guess if that's, if it's at home, he doesn't care. But if we're going out and he's spending money on a burger, it better be a good burger, I guess. I don't know. So... Uh, we were there, and I had heard that it was haunted, um, but I didn't really hear anything about why or anything. I think I just heard it in passing. And so I went to the restroom, and it's kind of, there's like, there were, at the time, it's been completely demolished and rebuilt now. But at the time, there were two sections, the mm -hmm. the original mm -hmm. section and then the build, the mm -hmm. build on. And that had like an extra dining room, and that's where they moved the bathrooms. Yes. And so I went to the bathroom, and there was three stalls. And there was a woman in the middle, and so I went into the first stall. 
And then another woman came in and went into the last stall. And I recognized uh, her squeaking shoes as my mother. (laughs) And so uh, I said, mom, is that you? And she was like, "Uh uh-huh. And then we didn't say anything else because there was another person in the bathroom and that would be kind of weird to have a conversation over Over that woman. Yeah. So, and and I I didn't look for, I think it was a longer door anyway. So sometimes you can't see shoes that easily, but, uh, <laughs> so I didn't notice it, but I just knew somebody was there. Right. Like you just know when somebody's there and I could hear movement, shadows, whatever. And when I left the restroom to wash my hands, there was nobody in that center thing. And so I said to my mom, Hey mom. Uh, why did you go into this stall on the end? And she was like, because there's, I didn't want to, there's somebody in the middle stall. And I was like, no, there's not. There's not. And she, she did the same thing. And she was like, what? And I was like, there's nobody here. It's just us two. And so it was very creepy because there was somebody there. There was just somebody there. There's nothing. I, we need to do a story on Snuffers because yeah. I want because I know it's well known so, around here, but I don't know why it's haunted. I don't know what's supposed the, to have happened there. Rumor has it, and I haven't looked into it, big dear, it. but it's, it's either that it was buried on a child's cemetery, which I find hard to believe. Boring. Uh, it's been done. <laughs> but what I've heard multiple times, and you know, we have to look into it, is that a woman was stabbed to death in the alley, mm. and that is where they. Uh, expanded and that's where the bathroom was and so people would see a woman or hear a woman in the bathroom pretty regularly so what we experienced was a very common experience so the next time i went i asked our server because it was a weird time not a lot of people were there and i asked her so is it really haunted and she's like oh yeah and i asked her like well what happens like what's the weirdest things that happen to you and she said sometimes we'll be closing up for night and put all the chairs up Mm -hmm. and go to the back, hear a crash, come out, and all of the chairs are off the tables. All of them. In a matter of, like, seconds. She said that she's... shit right there. Yeah, and that she has had silverware fly off tables. She'll set tables up, you know, put the Mm -hmm, silverware mm -hmm. on them and uh, leave and come back and all the silverware's on the floor. Mm. And then, but the creepiest thing that she said happened to her, they had these ceiling lamps Mm -hmm. that hung down and (laughs) she came out of the kitchen or something. And... She, she saw them swinging all together. All of them were swinging at the all same together, time. together, now. At the same, like, left and right. Oh. And, left and, right. and that was like, oh. that's when she was like, oh, this is so creepy. But, she, I mean, it's not mean to her. It doesn't do anything. But it's just but fucking it's just there, there and creepy. I had a, when I worked at a Bookstop a long time ago, it was a discount book chain by Barnes & Noble. And I probably was, oh, God, I, don't know, I was young. I was 19 yeah. years. I had... Uh, our ma- the store manager had worked at Snuffers previously, right. and because um, Snuffers has been around for a while, mm-hmm. and Since the 70s. she didn't believe in ghosts, but like whenever ghosts came up, she would talk about her experiences at Snuffers and be like, "Yeah, I don't believe in them, but man, they were there." <laughs> That's what Jack says now. Yeah, I think. Yeah. If there is a ghost, I bet it's a little girl upstairs. <laughs> uh, okay, great. That's great. Yeah. So, so you hear look for Snuffers on a future episode. And also, if you're in the Dallas area, go to one. It doesn't matter which one. Oh, all delicious. So, those cheese fries are so, so fucking good. good. Yeah. So <clears throat> all that is to say. <laughs> but back to the. I am very compassionate with that manager for such a freaking oh, experience. Oh, yeah. And a lot of activity activity seems to occur around the bathroom area. Mm. 
Sometimes people have seen the apparition of a young woman in the bathroom mirror. Turn around, nobody's there. Oof. Fun. Mirrors are not fair. It's not fair to use a mirror. I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> For anything. Thank like, you. Thank you. Mirrors are just um, evil. <clears throat> so, uh, let's see. Where was I? Okay. <laughs> Cheese fries. Uh, oh, God. Okay. Uh. Uh, she's not the only ghost. Okay. Right? You're okay. not distracted by cheese fries, I guess. <laughs> uh, Parker said, the owner Parker, said that a man and a little girl have also been spotted there. Uh. It's rumored a little girl was killed in a hit and run outside the restaurant or by a nearby train. But I'm not sure how true that legend is, too. Mm. I couldn't find anything specific. But again, I don't have a year to go off of. I don't ha I have a, a highway. Right. So it's, it's nothing specific. So, yeah, you're not going to find anything. But I did find some really fucked up stories about people getting killed on train tracks. Oh. In that area. Okay. So <laughs> now this was far away from them, like 30 miles away or something like okay. that. Okay. Uh, one was about three teens in 2010, and they had to decide. So they were on a bridge, crossing a bridge, a train. Right, bridge. right, right. Train comes. Now, though, some people think that they're the way that they were, where they were, and how they were walking, they didn't hear it. And they would have had seconds. They didn't have a choice. Uh. It took seven seconds to run across the bridge so they didn't mm. couldn't run and if they jumped it would be into alligator infested waters below oh. so it was there were four teens total one of them ran across and made it the other three did not uh yeah it's real bad these stories uh. are really bad oh. and according interestingly According to the Federal Railroad Administration, Florida ranks fourth in the nation for the number of train pedestrian deaths. What? What? Yeah. what? I didn't even know that That's was a thing, a thing? they measured. And I, I didn't mean... look up one, two, and three. I don't want to know. <laughs> oh. Although I'll probably look it up later, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of want to know now. I know, right? So it's not no. difficult to believe that that could have happened to somebody nearby, you know? Sure, sure, sure. Um, and then you hear about the stories of... of they think somebody was killed in a hit and run or nearby because there is a spirit of a little girl like in that theater in uh, yeah. Memphis. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it turns out that maybe that, you know, she wasn't, but she did die and she saw the theater and thought that's a good place to hang out. Maybe. And stay there. So maybe she saw this restaurant and thought. I'd like to think that really we have that like option in the people. afterlife. I'm going to hang around all these drunk people. So one bartender and waitress at Ashley's recalls a little girl about four or five, who was quite agitated as she described an encounter she had to her grandfather. Pop, pop, tell the little girl to quit messing with me. Oh, that point, being freaky so again. creepy. At that point, no one had said anything to her about a, the ghost of a little girl. Lights had been seen flickering on and off during the night. Burglar alarms go off unexplainably. Mm -hmm. Glasses and dishes fall and break without cause. Many employees tell of hearing whispering in the restaurant after closing and often find objects have moved when opening the next morning. So there's some YouTube videos. There's oh, a lot of YouTube videos. Yeah. <clears throat> a lot of them are real fucking bad. I'm just going to be real honest about that. <laughs> Straight up. Like fake as shit or just like bad quality? Just bad quality. Uh, really, really bad quality. But Yeah, we're going to need you people out there filming this stuff to be a little more... Just, I yeah, mean, just there's some hokey just, shit too. Like, oh, it's a scary place, and it's like, don't oh, fucking do that. Just tell me the story. You I hate to, when they try to like. Let place, don't oversell it. Like, yeah, yeah let the, let let the, the experience. Let what let you're the place doing be speak creepy. for itself. Yeah, you don't have to make it creepy. Otherwise, it's anyway. That's why it we love New Talk Five, Nuke's Top Five, That's because right. he's very just chill and down.
down to earth about it and yeah. he doesn't try to like make, make his voice cre- and he's oh isn't doesn't my voice make it creepy no your voice makes it stupid stop yeah. it <laughs> stop it so nu- nukes does it right that said there were a couple that had some good interviews some quick okay. interviews. so the underpresence on youtube investigated and they're a little cheesy, I'll be honest. But you <laughs> what? grow, you, grow to appreci- you kind of grow to like appreciate it about them too. So it's okay. a double, it's a double-edged thing. But they interviewed an employee named Christy, and she's had several. I've seen her mm-hmm. have several interviews. Um, but she said she's experienced a lot of dramatic shifts in temperature, cold spots, shit like mm. that. She said a lot of customers would come in and talk about women and little girls having their hair played with. Mm-hmm. One of those girls, Maddie, had been five at the time. Um and, and they went back and interviewed her because mm-hmm. she's now 12. And she told them seven years later that she had been sitting at the booth at when she was five and she felt someone pulling on her hair, just like little tugs. When she stood up, her hair had been tangled in the lamp above the table. Ah, her mother said at rude. the time, yeah, right. Her, at the time, Maddie had been complaining about someone pulling on her hair. But no one was pulling her hair. So she's getting annoyed with her daughter. But she saw later that her hair had just... It was, it was several strands placed into the lamp. Like it had just been set up there. She had really long hair. She yeah. was too young. Yeah. To, she was too small to reach it herself. Right. <clears throat> but her hair was long enough to reach. And she looked up and there were just strand after strand <laughs> was lifted up and put into the lamp. And they weren't necessarily tangled. They were just placed. But I mean, it was a, yeah, but a lamp with hard edges. So they had to get it out. It wasn't oh. easy to necessarily to get out. So, uh, so she, she saw that uh, her husband and her son thought it was hilarious, but her mom was creeped out and really frustrated about the whole thing. <laughs> and then everybody's food came to the table. They're all having a good time. She's creeped out and frustrated. Her dish, her meal, mm-hmm. everybody gets theirs. Hers falls to the floor and they have to go make it again. Oh, so she, this she's is the like, mom? This is the mom. Oh. Who's just like, ugh. And she is kind of funny because she does not like creepy stuff and clearly the daughter is fucking into it like this thing that happened to her when she was five probably changed who she is as a person right (laughs) and she's also really funny because she's 12 because she would talk and she'd be like well okay so then we came back and i was like you know still five and stuff (laughs) 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 still five and stuff uh but they came back and the two ladies went to the restroom Mm -hmm. and they ended up getting locked into their stalls (laughs) They heard a huge bang on the door. Finally got out. Nobody had heard even a bang outside. And she will no longer. The mother refuses to go to the restroom. And then, of course, the daughter's like, we should go right now. And she's like, no. (laughs) Christy, the server, manager, I don't know exactly. She works there. She's an employee. She also talked about being the first one upstairs and finding little table tents. So you know the table tent. It's like a little tea. Yeah. And there are little yeah. papers inside that like, yeah. here's our dessert or here's our drink mm-hmm. of the month or whatever. They, she would go up there and they'd all be off the tables and on the floor. <laughs> She's also heard a woman calling her name. Ooh. She thinks whatever spirits are there are friendly. <clears throat> She's seen things in her periphery too, just like a shadow of, of a person standing right next mm-hmm. to her, kind of mm-hmm. watching what mm-hmm. she's doing. She looks, they're gone, but they come back. So it's just oh. like something's there. Just hanging out. It's just there hanging out. Uh, She also one time went to the restroom with another server. And she, you know, went into the stall. When she came out, the server had never gone to the restroom. And she was like, why didn't you go to the restroom? (laughs) Because there are two stalls. And she's like, well, there's someone in that stall. I didn't, you know. (laughs) She was like, no, there's not. 
There's and she not. was like, I could there hear is. her. There's somebody in there. And she pushed the door open and there was nobody in there. And the server went white as a sheet. It was just, yeah. Oh, uh, so house, good. Man. So good. So uh, another YouTube paranormal group questioned, questionably named Spook Hunters. It's just a bad idea. They interviewed a cook. That's so fucking terrible. Oh, God, that's terrible for so many reasons. I, I don't know, even want to get I into know. But I'm like, it is 2020, it ladies is and gentlemen. 2020. But uh, he oh. interviewed, they interviewed a cook who said he's seen things move, a door that opened by itself, and what he describes as a bunch of little stuff, which would probably all be terrifying. Um, <laughs> like little stuff, like things just fall off the shelves even big stuff will just fall <laughs> just a little thing just little yeah. stuff like you know now, apparitions and, and i think about you know maybe things pulled. falling off the shelf could be because of the vibration of the train going by sure sure maybe sure. things are moving but you would think they would know that and just push yeah that they design accordingly yeah whether or not ethel's spirit is haunting ashley's is a mystery much like the man who took ethel's life a positive of the haunting, though, is that it has kept the memory of Ethel Allen alive. She has not been forgotten. One wonders if her spirit may have been attracted to the place because, as a regular to the restaurant, her friends and other regulars would have gone there to remember her and reminisce about who she was when she was alive. If she loved being there and people kept her memory alive there, why not join the party? Yeah. Yeah. And so that is the haunting. It's good. Oh, I love it. And it gave me an idea for what what my topic might be next week. Snuffers. <laughs> I feel I feel you should do snuffers because yeah, you had an experience point. there. Yeah. But I feel like no, I was thinking of well, I don't want to say it because then then I have to commit to oh, it. Right. And I may true. decide that I don't want to do it. But yeah. right now in my mind, I'm like, ooh, I'll look into that. Well, and see what happens is a lot of times we'll be like, oh, this looks like a good story, and then we get into it, and it's like, oh. It's there's no information, yeah, you know, yeah, none yeah, whatsoever it's just nothing. on it. It's just just yeah. hearsay. All and a hearsay. lot of them are popular stories too, and it's uh -huh. just uh -huh. it's bullshit. And so, or it's just stuff that it's or like, it's just or maybe if there is truth to it, it's you can't find it anymore right. because there's no one's done any real um, documentation or whatever yeah. of it. It's so frustrating. It's why the big key too when you're looking up this stuff is if it's like legend says. I'm like, legend talks a lot out of its ass. It does. Legend is full <laughs> of sh Legend is a telephone game. <laughs> Le yeah. Legend yeah. is... It, but yeah. no, it's, it's not immediate, so you can't go back and ask the first person what they said. <laughs> legend it's has just... it. Legend talks a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> legend Someone... has a lot of it. Legend has so much of it. So, uh, so yeah, it's hard to commit to something when then it's like, okay, yeah. this is my five-minute story. But so. it's always it's always interesting to to look into something that you that starts as a legend and you find the truth to it. You're like, mm -hmm. okay, cool, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so it's fun. Rabbit holes, rabbit holes, rabbit holes. We love them. We love them. So <sighs> anyway, well, this was this was good. This yeah. was good. I know yeah. we we covered a lot of territory. Some of it quite dark, That's but right. um, you know, you know, enjoy dark your content for dark everybody. times. Yeah. Um, Ugh. and let's see, I think we're going to have another chat this week for our phantasms, yeah. which is the higher tier in the, yeah. in the Patreon. Um, but stay tuned for mm -hmm. more chats to come. Yes. Uh, for that. And we're just generally being more active on yeah. the discord. We have some time. We don't have to do conventions, so it's we nice. have so much more time and energy. It's shocking. It's weird. Well, you'd think we'd have more energy. <laughs> <laughs> That couch is so comfortable. I have a lot of energy to relax. Yeah. <laughs> so 
we know that the studio, some of the studios we normally work with, mm -hmm. we work with the most have shut down. So they're yeah. not recording at all. And then I had like, some commercials I was doing that they've just had to kind of regroup and change their advertising. Because, because the campaigns were all like, hey, come into our stores. Maybe don't. Yeah. Um. <laughs> right. so, <laughs> so we're kind of on hold with that kind of stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a weird few months. It will be. But, you know, we'll, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. In the meantime, yeah. everyone, be safe. Be sensible. Yeah. Please stop fucking forwarding those texts about oh my God. The, everything shutting down in 48 hours. I've gotten more of that. And it's always like I've gotten I have gotten exactly five of them in the past six days. And every one of them has been like my friends are with Homeland Security. And they say that today they're going to announce like a nationwide yeah, lockdown. My friend's sisters with the Pentagon. Yeah. And it's like, OK, well, it hadn't happened yet. And it's been right. but whatever. So please, if well, you're getting those, don't forward them. It's bullshit. It's been debunked. It's not going to happen. At least yeah. it's not not not, not like keep that. keep in mind, too, that. They have to give people a way to get groceries. They well, have to give people a way to get medication. Well, case in point, like the the places that are on lockdown now, mm -hmm. like New York and uh, and California and Seattle. Uh, I think it's Seattle. Is it Seattle? San Francisco. Excuse me, yeah. San Francisco. A lot of places in a lot of places. There's 75 million people currently on lockdown. They're still able to go out for essential things. Yes. Like prescriptions and food. Yeah. So it's a lockdown doesn't mean like even shelter in place is what they call it. It's not. That just means just do, you're not, not you're not allowed to go out for any other reason. And right. there's basically police around going like, hey, no loitering. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like you're going to wake up one morning to find like a squadron right outside your door that won't allow you to leave. No. But but don't leave your house. Stay stay home. Yeah. Stay home. Go to the go to the store when you need it. Don't buy all the fucking heroin no, or the bread for God's sakes. Um, do some do some squats if you're anxious. Yeah. Just get I angry. Do them. Just get angry. Do some at angry squats. Yeah. Angry body weight squats. Squeeze your butt really hard. That'll help anxiety. <laughs> Squeeze it. Squeeze your butt. Squeeze it. Um. Uh, but yeah. But yeah but just be saved. Wash be your hands. On yourself too. Take care of yourself. You know, every time you go outside for any reason, even just get the mail. Come back inside. Wash your hands. Mm. Just make a habit of these things, and and you're gonna be fine. Yeah. And don't forget to use lotion or your hands are fried. Yeah, God, I need to put some lotion on my hands it's right now. Bad. I forgot to bring any with me. But uh, send us your stories. Yes. Again, if you have some great spooky stories, mm -hmm. anything that's happened to you that you want us to know, how you're getting through yes. the quarantine. Yeah, talk to us about too. that. Um, and remember, it's, it's okay, okay to sleep with the, the lights, lights on. on. <laughs>